All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. Uh, I'm particularly excited about this one. Uh, we have Stani Kulichov, who is the founder of the Ave and the Lens Protocol, joining us today. We're going to be talking about uh, not only the future of finance and DeFi, like we always talk about here on the Crypto 101 podcast, but particularly he's got some unique insights uh, regarding the future of social media networks as well, which uh, we're going to actually start the conversation with. So before we bring on Stani uh, to, to kind of give us the uh, the inside look here, uh, let's check in with uh, Pizza Mind. Aaron, how are you doing? You're in Las Vegas. You're having more fun than anybody at Money 2020. Uh, what's the latest over there? Is, are, are the institutions here? <laughs> It was the absolute hardest time I've ever had waking up today from all the fun that I'm having here in Vegas. And yes, the institutions are here, all of them. Uh, if consensus is the biggest crypto event or Bitcoin Miami, that is 7-Eleven compared to this event, which would be like a Costco. I have walked over 20,000 steps in this convention center here at the Venetian. That's more than you walked all year. It literally, <laughs> uh, my, my hips are dead right now but I still haven't seen everything yet. But what I did talk to are the biggest banks in the world, including the Federal Reserve. I had a conversation with, I talked with Ripple. I talked to everyone that is a huge player in traditional finance. And what I realized is the fence between TradFi and what we're doing here in crypto, it's not just knocked down, it's gone. Yeah, there's no and fence. There's when I got here, I didn't know if I was gonna be laughed out of the building for being part of crypto, but there's no one laughing at crypto now. It's here, it's the next big integration. When we started this podcast, we were talking about what is it gonna to take to mass adoption? That narrative is out the window now because it's now adoption in mass. Mm, yeah, pizza mind behind enemy lines. Uh, I love it, it's, it's fantastic. So there's no uh, more enemy lines now. We're all one over here. That's the biggest <laughs> takeaway. And someone who's, you know, been a big pioneer in building that bridge with Ave and you know the 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 regulated platform as well in DeFi, which was unheard yeah, of at Arc, the time, and now right? yeah, Arc, Arc yeah. Uh, and now you know you're tackling this biggest problem that we have, not just finance but communication with Lens Protocol. So I'm going to shut up and let Stanny take it from here. Welcome to the Crypto 101 Podcast. Thank you so much. Super super good to have, be here and uh, GM everyone. <laughs> GM, GM. Uh, yeah, man. So, Stani, let's let's you know backtrack here. Uh, tell us a little bit about a little bit about how you kind of got started building. You know, some of the most you know revolutionary apps in crypto. I mean, Ave is probably you know one of the most used DeFi apps on Ethereum. Um, you also have rolled out a, a fully KYC uh, AML sort of a compliant uh, DeFi lending sort of uh you know market called arc um so we want to hear all about that but how'd you kind of have you know get into this and there's so many things i want to ask you holy smokes but yeah just tell us about just you who you are why you're building and then we're just going to dive in i i mean i i basically grew up on the internet so um i've been always um super fascinating about the the idea that you have accessibility and and to any information uh, to talk to any person uh, across the globe um, and growing up in this kind of like a internet culture. And at the same time, I've been developing applications when I was growing up. So when I was in my teen years, uh, using heavily and seeing like very early uh, growth of, uh, for example, Reddit, uh, Dig, and, and even in very early, I was building Ruby and Rails applications, uh, same tech that is used early in, in Twitter. 
But at, at some point more later, I would say like early 20s, I started to get more excited about finance and, and financial applications and was building uh, fintech applications. And that's kind of like stuck in me all the time because I, I just like like the idea that you could build a financial application and, and then, you know, anyone, any part of the world could actually use it and it might help them some some way. And I think like uh, during my last years of studies, um, uh, so in, in Helsinki, Finland, where I'm coming from, so I started to think about like what, what could be those technologies that could be bringing a lot of access and blockchain was one of those. So the idea of blockchain is interesting because like once you remove that intermediary as a as a basis as a foundation you can actually create tech that you know could empower across globally and finance was uh pretty much the reason i was reading about uh ethereum uh because bitcoin tried to solve and sort solves a bit the idea of store of value and and tra- transactioning value across the globe and Ethereum, what was interesting about it and why I got excited about it, because it enabled a computer that is running on the blockchain and you can create any kind of applications. And because the narrative was about finance, uh, that's how I started to build financial applications. And our first application before Aave was a MVP of, um, called ETHLAND, short for Ethereum Lending. And the idea simply is that you use cryptographic assets as a collateral and, and you earn as you use them, but at the same time, you can uh, borrow against those um, assets. And now the whole decentralized finance is based on this idea of collateralization. So in our protocol, what we are trying to do is create accessibility. So global, fair, transparent markets, the smart contracts are treating everyone the same way and you can get equal access to yield. So from there, now uh, what we're building with Lens Protocol is the access to your own social identity and your social capital. So it's been kind of like the same theme across growing up uh, in the internet and seeing like what actually Web3 can do for people. And that's got me excited. Yeah, I, I, we yeah, can take it amazing. so many different directions. Uh, oh, Pete, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to uh, segue into you know the problem now of growing up on the internet. Uh, we were used to like a free, open, uncensored internet where people can literally say anything, no matter how crazy it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm also a child of the internet, and I really appreciated that for better and for worse. Uh, but that narrative is changing now, and there's a lot of blocks that are coming into place where people's very strong beliefs are being removed, and maybe the people themselves are being removed entirely from many platforms that are almost like everyday public utilities rather than websites now. Uh, if they're not going along with whatever the public narrative is. And this is a very shocking thing to happen across the world. It's a very shocking thing to happen in the United States. And this is now a problem that you've recognized and stopped what you're doing. No, I should say stop, but paused what you're doing in traditional finance. And now you're trying to address the situation with the lens protocol. Give us a high level overview of what you're building over there and what problems specifically are going to be addressed by this. Yeah, I, so Lens Protocol, simply you create a uh, profile on chain, which means that your social media profile is secured by, by the blockchain. And the connections you make and following other profiles, that's also secured by the blockchain. So uh, effectively, what then you can do is that you can 
broadcast content directly to your audience, whoever follows you across the, the, the whole lens protocol. So effectively, it's a social graph. But it, what it allows you to do is that it brings you the ownership of what you create and, and basically what social capital you form. So when, hmm. as a comparison, when and when, think could, about, if I could yeah. pause for one sec, you know, when you say it's secured by blockchain, I, I think that's a, a nebulous concept for a lot of people. So, so what does secured by blockchain really mean? Yeah, so that basically means that when you actually create a profile, you make a transaction on the blockchain. So uh, effectively, you signal that this is uh, me and here's the connections I, I'm going to make. Instead of doing that online, um, you're doing it in a decentralized, by using a decentralized ledger uh, effectively. So a good comparison so is... my profile uh, couldn't be deleted later. Yeah, it's exactly. So no one can come and delete it. So in, in Twitter, we're creating all the time social capital. So we're we're making connections. We're creating a lot of content in, um, let's say, in Instagram, um, TikTok, depending on what is our medium uh, of social media. But the thing is that we we really are creating that social capital into those uh, platforms, and meaning that we really don't have the ownership, so we can't just take a digital exit out of the platform, take our followers, everything we created, and go somewhere else because we don't have the ownership. And what we're trying to do with Lens is change that uh, scenario. So where Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum is about owning, let's say, digital assets and, and owning uh, money without intermediaries, Lens Protocol is about owning your social profile and your uh, social capital. And that's the key difference between how the internet is built in Web2 and still kind of like the last bastions are the social media giants that are have created this big network effects where we are constantly giving out social capital, but we really don't own it. So, so is there some sort of magic that, that blockchain kind of has in the sense that it's, you know, a server that's decentralized, right? So there's not just one server you can go to and say, okay, uh, I want this profile deleted and all of his, you know, history deleted, delete it from that. And now the, the web client, you, you can never see it. But in blockchain, are there now thousands and thousands of different validators all over the world that are running this open source program called you know, Lens Protocol, for instance? And now, you know, it's impossible to get rid of somebody because in order to do so, you would need to co-opt or coerce all of the different node providers who are running Lens Protocol to delete that, you know, this person or to censor uh, these sort of you know, languages or X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So you need to go the underlying layer effectively. So when it comes to Lens Protocol, so the protocol itself is deployed on Polygon Network, but it could be equally the same that can be deployed on, let's say, on Ethereum or one of these layer twos that are EVM, so Ethereum Virtual Machine uh, compatible. So the big difference is that uh, thinking like how much you need security to secure your social capital. So for financial transaction, it makes a lot of sense for using the highest security that you might have. So that might be, let's say, Ethereum and maybe layer twos that are uh, built on top of Ethereum and are inheriting the Ethereum security periodically. But in social capital, you want to have security, but you don't need the same amount that you you would have on a Bitcoin network or Ethereum network where uh, that will mean higher transactioning costs. 
So all you kind of like need to do is is balance which network is uh, suitable. And probably in the future, we will see multiple lens protocol copies across different networks uh, uh, supporting different use cases. But effectively, what it does, uh, the protocol itself, it removes the access key of a third party to your profile and your followers. So whenever someone follows you on Lens Protocol, that follow is, uh, no one can actually go and erase that. So it effectively is a connection you make. And that reflects real life. So for example, if I make a connection with my neighbor or I meet someone, let's say in a pub, you know, I, I have that connection as long as they remember me and and we have that like social connection. But for example, as our social behavior is going towards more to the online and has been the, the case for the past couple of decades, much of the control remains on the social media platforms to, to decide. And things might change. So they might change policies or user experiences or algorithms that really doesn't align with your own principles, but you're kind of as a user locked in in those platforms. And we want to change those dynamics where the algorithms and the applications are actually working for you. And if you really don't like an algorithm or an experience, let's say an application, you can easily uh, go to another application without losing your followers and the social capital you have created. That's absolutely brilliant. I love the vision for decentralized social media that you're making over there. It's almost like the money Legos aspect of DeFi is, is now being created in social Legos. Um, you can just simply detach or reattach yourself to whatever platforms you want to be a part of and stay connected to the people that you want to stay connected to. Um, we've recently seen Elon Musk say that as he's buying Twitter, he wants to decentralize it. There's been leaked messages of him and Jack Dorsey talking about this What's your take on that? Do you think he really will decentralize it? Will it have a place in, you know, the lens protocol even potentially? Or do you think it's just a lot of hype-driven stuff that we really shouldn't believe in until we see it? I mean, decentralizing Twitter is, um, I mean, there's obviously there's a crypto community that really wants to see that happening. But also the one of the challenges is, of course, that how do you decentralize um, something something like Twitter. Um, so it's it's basically a complete culture you need to change from the obviously from the board. Obviously if you have a sharehold like share ownership that's that helps quite a lot. But also changing the culture of, of Twitter. And then decentralizing it in a way where it really doesn't break the user experience. So when we look at the applications that are built on top of the lens protocol in most cases, you don't really see the blockchain um, logic happening. So all this blockchain activity happens at the backend. So for example, if you go to one of these applications, uh, for example, there is one that is community-built, Lenster. There's another one which is more mobile-oriented. Or um, when you post content, it reflects automatically. So as if it's normal application. And then on the backend, the actual blockchain logic happens of submitting the transaction, confirming on the blockchain, and also paying for the transaction costs. So it, it really needs to feel the, exactly the same that you're using Twitter, but it's uh, decentralized. And obviously, most people don't care about decentralization, so they really benefit from it if it happens. So that's why the user experience is important there. 
but also the the messages I've seen about how to use blockchain has been more related to two things. One is using somehow uh, cryptocurrency on kind of like a spam prevention uh, mechanism or tipping functionality. So Twitter has done actually quite well in uh, servicing the crypto audience with the NFT uh, verification for profile pictures and, and tipping with uh, crypto. So they are definitely around, but there's a lot of changes you have to make and also you have to make it scalable. I think the best actually uh, example of uh, from the bigger social media platforms who has been doing interesting work is Reddit at the moment with the NFTs, with experimenting on the scalability and kind of like a, having an interesting path of, of using blockchain as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think what Reddit's doing is, is fascinating. And, you know, one, one of the things that you mentioned that I just want to like kind of expand upon is the, the spam problem that Twitter is faced with right now. Um, you know, I, we work with a company called the tie uh, and the tie provides, you know, market leading social media and, and you know, crypto research. And uh, the, the tie has found through some, you know, proprietary, you know, natural language processors, as they parse through the Twitter firehose, right, all of Twitter's data, mm-hmm. their filters catch 90% of tweets that are crypto related as non-human or spam or bot. So they filter yeah. out 90% of the tweets, and they only analyze for sentiment data, uh, a 10% actually of what's, you know, hashtagged and and so to me, that's just, you know, so overwhelmingly apparent that there's a, a, a spam problem. There's a bot problem. Every time we tweet from our account, we get bots. Every time you tweet from your account, you get bots that just have all these, you know, scammy replies, send two ETH, I'll give you a hundred ETH back, all this kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, and fake Vitalik Buterin posts every, yeah. you know, every, even, every blue, even with Even with the blue check mark. So you've seen actually... Yeah the Buterins with the blue check mark. So it's kind of like defeats the purpose. Yeah. There, there's these now like the very, yeah, quote unquote verified uh, users yeah. that are fraudulent. And so do you think that, you know, with, you know, for instance, with Twitter, like, you know, maybe having a, an account balance, like everybody needs to hold a certain account balance and you, every tweet and every interaction actually draws from that account balance as a way to prevent, you know, somebody from spamming the network because every spam, uh, you know, cost money in the same way that, you know, Satoshi was like, okay, well, we have to have, you know, spam prevention measures, uh, you know, and hashing and all that kind of stuff for, uh, so that somebody can't just not spam the, the Bitcoin blockchain. But how do you kind of create, you know, make it so that there's no spam, for instance, even in the lens protocol? I mean, that's an interesting question, especially like when you mentioned that most of the, uh, firehose activity related to crypto is actually bots. So kind of like when we've been building the lens protocol, we are looking at the applications uh, we are facing right away with the uh, issue of spam. So the way we actually solved spam is is more of researching the human behavior and, and the conductivity we create in, in real life. So there is this study about uh, effectively that every single person on the planet is connected uh, to each other with six degrees of separation. So let's say that um, I, I, I know you, Bryson, and then, you know, uh, it's a mind. And effectively, that's two degrees of separation between pizza mind and, and me. So what's interesting here is that, you know, because of the internet, this degree of separation is actually getting 
even more narrow. So it's actually 4.7 at the moment. So something like every wow. fourth person we know uh, and, and a half, we're all connected, right? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the way what we did is that because the uh, protocol architecture is smart contract based, meaning that you know you can create different kinds of rules and you really can't bend those rules because they're in a smart contract. So we created uh, the specific module uh, for commenting. So um, people can comment on your posts, um, but you you choose the degree of separation. So. Um, you could choose it to two. So let's say only my friends and their friends uh, can comment or to tr- three degrees. My friend and, 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 and my friend's friend and friend's friend can comment. And with this um, uh, smart contract-based degree of separation module, we actually eliminated pretty much uh, all of the spam. To break it, you could actually... you Some of your network has to follow a spammy account and that account can and, and the peers can actually uh, spam your account which is very rare case and you can add additional paths so let's say you have to have two paths to all these different people that are in your uh, degree network and effectively yeah. that's how we solved spam more it, it almost seems yeah it almost seems a little bit like um I'm, I'm not sure what the algorithm is called but it's the one that like kind of made google famous right for you know we're going to serve you at on page one of google uh, a piece of literature or a, a witty a, a video link that has been referenced to the most page rank that's what it's called page yeah. rank. it almost sounds like that it, it, am i, I mis- uh, misunderstanding it very similar very similar and the the beauty of this um spam prevention that is it's very 
kind of like a natural. So it's it's based on human connections that we make on online. So it it really eliminates, you know, for example, my biggest issue with Twitter is that when I post something new, all these uh, spams and, and, and um, comments that come are actually bots that have zero followers or followings. So technically you could actually like filter them out, but some are more advanced. But with this module, we've been quite effective. I And I'm, I'm thinking of writing about it more in, in the future because that's something that could help Twitter quite a lot. Yeah, that'd be amazing to see if Twitter really does go decentralized to be uh, able to have people like yourself involved in shaping its future. I think uh, everyone in, the, in crypto Twitter, at least, would be all on board for that. And that's because you've really created yourself a reputation of being a good builder who's very thoughtful, very precise, and building things that are secure. This year, we've seen uh, really only the strong survive in DeFi. You know, the year before, just about anyone who ever took a JavaScript coding class was launching a DeFi platform named after food or <laughs> God knows what else they, they wanted to put up there. But you guys have withstood the test of time since your early days as ETH Lend. What are some of the problems that coding smart contracts have had that just end up getting exploited in so many things? Is it a problem of relying on one smart contract too much to do too many things and just the general even design? Or is it the coding implementation? You know, share us, you know, because there are developers that do listen to our podcast. Can you share just a couple words of wisdom at a high level of going forward? How do we program and DeFi more securely without like getting into like functions and stuff like that too detailed? Yeah. I I mean, the resources to build DeFi has has been always a bit on the scarce side. So now it's it's a bit more easier to to create teams. So uh, pretty much like good engineering principles um, help quite a lot. And in many cases on the design side and architecture, we've seen a lot of complex things being built and getting exploited because uh, they might be complex enough. And when it, when things come complex, you know, it, it requires, it, it, it might introduce different kinds of uh, edge cases. And obviously like, um, Another like very typical issue is that you, you take something existing uh, without understanding the uh, protocol. Let's say you take the other protocol, change something, even like something small and redeploy, and and, and you forgot to, to validate certain new things, and that creates new attack uh, surface. So those are like two um, uh, things that comes to my mind. But also it's mainly about the... Uh, security and engineering culture. So for us at Aave, it's it's always been about building high quality, safe and secure uh, software. And and it's been for me personally, very uh, important. So we've, um, it's been quite typical to have one or two audits for smart contracts, especially in the early times of DeFi or none. We usually had from uh, four to five and also uh, formal verification uh, which is basically something similar that is used in avionics and, and space industry. And I, I'm just a person who appreciates a lot of quality at the same time, but also we've been very lucky in our team to have uh, individuals uh, that really appreciate those same values and share those values and building quality and working as a team and being able to review each other's code uh, is, is definitely important. So 
I think now the stakes in DeFi are very high. So we maybe see less things being deployed, but maybe because the risks are higher. So when we were building the version one of the up protocol, uh, we were expecting 30 million worth of TVL. So the, the value locked in the smart contracts. And that's kind of like a basis to how much people trust you or uh, what you build. Uh, ended up being uh, roughly um, half a billion worth of value. And with ver- version Ten times three, more than your expectation. <laughs> at least. In version two, we were expecting maybe a billion and ended up being peak 15 billion. Um, wow. So in version three, we realized that, you know, it's time to actually approach uh, the building perspective for even more risk mitigation. What could we do as engineers to mitigate all possible risk, including human risk and governance risk? And so it's not only related to smart contracts, but actually a, a DAO can can also uh, fuck up and, and list a bad asset. So a lot of risk involved when, when you're building DeFi today. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we if we kind of stay on DAOs for, for a little bit, um, what are some examples of, of successful DAOs um, that, you know, you could kind of highlight some aspects of what they're doing really right? And then you don't need to name any names, but what's some examples of, of things that go wrong in DAOs? I think sometimes, like, I feel like kind of like what all of the 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 um, the DAOs are doing is they're they're governing a public good, but in many cases the, the the public good is still very early in its age, so it it must require some changes. Those changes could be related to the security. It can be efficiency of that protocol, because obviously there's competing protocols and the liquidity flows where you know there's efficiency and the risk is priced accordingly. And I think some of these DAOs have a bit of challenge because it becomes very much kind of like political. So which path the uh, the builders should take and, you know, how uh, grants should be distributed. And at that point, you kind of like lose the, the idea of, of building something very cool and also like having an interesting uh, progress on the protocol itself until to the point that it's actually public good where you don't really need that many changes anymore. And, you know, you even can consider reducing the the amount of governance and and thinking of like, could this be a protocol that doesn't even need governance in the future? Because that's the idea of decentralization and and, and public goods that they become pretty much software that can be used by anyone. And there isn't that many moving uh, parameters for Dex is it's a bit more simple because you can deploy a Dex and it, a change protocol and let's say that uh, more of an AMM where you can swap assets and you don't need governance so you don't have things like you know risk parameters for globalization which is for example in other governance managed by the community and service providers like Gauntlet and and Chaos Labs that are specialized in uh, risk itself so I think we're kind of like you lose the momentum of actually building something very valuable and, and just like trying to think too much of like which path the DAO should take. I think those are the examples of good and, and the bad. And then the ugly is when when um, you see something being deployed and it doesn't really work or isn't secure enough. Yeah, absolutely. 
Let's talk a little bit about um, decentralized finance spreading across the world. While you know we grew up on the internet, there still is a physical world around us, so many different languages and issues at foot. How is Aave trying to expand its global footprint to solve some of these problems in poorer regions, uh, and especially regions where they can't even afford to pay an Ethereum gas fee, for example? Mm-hmm. I, I, I love this question because looking at the past, um, DeFi has been quite a lot about like creating this like global uh, liquid market and kind of like an equal opportunity to everyone to participate into financial opportunities. And, and it's mostly yield, uh, meaning that it's very useful um, when you actually have uh, financial capital. So, and actually during my, what's interesting side note, during my research between like what is social capital, it's interesting because everyone doesn't have financial capital, but, but everyone has social capital. And financial capital is something you can spend, but social capital is also what you carry pretty much the rest of your life. So that's, that's quite an interesting observation. But what I think what now it's important for decentralized finance is that to think about like within the community, how you could actually take that liquidity uh, and put into places where it could create empowerment and usage. And I think from the other community perspective, what what is happening is that um, the community is deploying a stablecoin called Go, so G-H-O. And with the stablecoin, the idea is to push actually the idea of using stablecoins as internet money, but also solving real-world problems. So, so uh, previously, it's been very difficult because transacting with stablecoins, let's say on Ethereum network, has been very costly. But with layer twos, you can actually mitigate the transaction fees to very minimum, which means that now it actually makes sense to transact value uh, on a layer two, something like stablecoins without giving up your custody. So you can actually do that without using a centralized exchange. What's interesting is that I was two months ago in Buenos Aires, and in Argentina, the inflation rate is almost 100%, meaning that whatever you earn today, one year later, um, you have half of the value in your possession. And the way the- You lose half your purchasing power every freaking year. Exactly, every <laughs> year. That's out of control. So, exactly, and what Argentinians are doing today, many of them actually know crypto, and they know about stable coins, uh, and they are actually using stablecoins to transact, pay, and most importantly, preserve uh, value. And they can trust a stablecoin where they can actually see what's happening behind of the scenes, how the collateralization works, distribution, and all those economics and, and dynamics. What's unfortunate in Argentina at the moment is that many of the Argentinians that are using stablecoins, uh, they're actually transacting on a centralized exchange, which is Binance, and on a Tron network it's between one account to another. So there's definitely ways to improve that security uh, and bring DeFi into uh, solving real-life uh, problems. And one thing I always want to encourage new builders as well of thinking about how powerful the DeFi infrastructure, or let's say even like a wallet infrastructure is. So 
imagine that everyone who has um, a cell phone and internet connection could theoretically create a Ethereum uh, address and you could distribute pretty much quickly um, capital or wealth or uh, donations. So there's really a lot of opportunities and the infrastructure is getting better, especially with the layer twos. So I'm very hopeful what we could actually do for uh, real people. And if, it, if, if we play this right, we can actually scale it. So if, if, if we have uh, economical issues, one part of the world with the same solution we can solve there and in another part of the world as well and, and recycle capital. And that's interesting, especially like one example, concrete example as well, what I want to say is that credit rating. So when you move from one country to another, you really don't passport your ratings. But if you, for example, have uh, activity on Web3, which is like, let's say, in decentralized finance, or you have a social graph that is verified data because it's on the blockchain, you can actually use it that also some way to have as data points of who you are and what you're capable of uh, borrowing. So there's definitely opportunities how to empower. Yeah, uh, there's a lot to unpack there. But one thing that really stuck out to me that we haven't really heard before is the term social capital. And that's really kind of an abstract term that probably no one who's listening has really ever thought about. Um, But it made me think about an old Black Mirror episode and makes me think about what's going on uh, in China today with their social credit scores. So we can all imagine the negatives, but what are some of the benefits that could possibly happen from social capital being quantifiable, tradable, and being able to be analyzed? I think one of the things it brings definitely is, is freedom. So you're not really locked in anyone's world uh, in the sense that you you actually have your public data, but also um, anyone can offer you services and computation and algorithm, uh, algorithms and experiences. And even though if it's if you have a public profile, you can lo- you can do a lot of things privately. So effectively, you can. Um, transact quite a lot beyond that. For example, if you want to message between one peer to another, you can actually do it outside of the blockchain. So you don't need a blockchain there. Um, But at the same time, you can use technologies like zero knowledge knowledge proofs that are actually used for uh, scalability uh, and also uh, preserving privacy. And there's actually one interesting um, module created by one of the uh, community members in the Lens uh, developer communities where you could actually uh, privately post uh, content without actually revealing your uh, identity, but also you can prove things. So you can effectively prove that I own particular NFT in another address, but I don't want to prove it, or that I can participate in this voting, but I don't reveal my uh, voting balance or uh, my other on, on-chain um, assets. So there's sort of actually solutions for how you add uh, privacy as well. But there's definitely a lot of uh, benefits as well. Man, so many, you know, just so many amazing applications uh, of this technology. And Stani, uh, we can't thank you enough for, for your time for coming on to the Crypto 101 podcast. Um, before we let you go, you know, just kind of one one last question. Just like if this was somebody's, you know, first podcast they'd ever listened to. Uh, they heard all these terms. They're they're maybe feeling overwhelmed. What's what's one good word of advice for 
you know, a brand new, you know, crypto zealot? <laughs> I think the best thing is definitely to, you know, listen to all the previous uh, episode of uh, episodes of this podcast, but also uh, kind there of like go. research and, <laughs> and be being open-minded and reading um, and coming with own judgment of what's interesting for you. And also looking into some of these applications built on top of the Lens Protocol. Uh, Lenser, for example, which is completely community-built driven app. And if you want to, Lens Protocol is in beta. So if you want to uh, get an access, you can DM me on um, uh, Twitter and I can help you out and you can actually try how does it feel to use a blockchain-based application where you don't need to sign or you don't need to pay gas and it really feels pretty much the application that you are using on the internet all the time. So those are my uh, last words. <laughs> Love it. That no, I'm amazing. excited to hop on the Lens platform. Uh, Pete, we got to go make some uh, some accounts and get linked we with do. Stani. Yeah, I have Lens Protocol socks, so I guess it's about time I get the profile. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, Stani, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we really do hope to have you back at some point here soon. We know Ave V3 is launching. Uh, there's a lot of big stuff coming up. So, uh, and the GHO stablecoin, I mean, there's, there's no slowing down for you. So we'll bring you back on soon, and uh, I hope you have a good one. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.